Howdy do, y'all. I'm Uncle Drank, star of the ballad of Uncle Drank. It is a scripted musical podcast about the life and times of me, fictional golf and western country music pioneer, Uncle Drank. The series also stars Luke Wilson, Brian Kelly, Chelsea Lynn, Kinky Friedman, and Billy Zane as a talking blender named Blendy. You can find The Ballad of Uncle Drank on Sirius XM, Pandora, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi there, my name is John Paul Kermy. I am a breathwork teacher. I train people on how to teach breathwork as well. I'm really excited to be doing this new podcast with my good friend Feldy called Hangups, where we're going to help you change your life. We're going to show you how to transform your life with different tools. That's right. I'm John Feldman. I'm in a band called Goldfinger. John Paul taught me breathwork. It changed my life. I have struggled with anxiety and depression throughout my life, and I've gotten through it. This is a solution-based show. We're talking about solutions to problems today. I'm super excited today for our guest. Our guest is Mike Binder. He's a good friend of mine. I've known him for, I think, 20 years now, and he's from Detroit. He's an actor, writer, producer, director, stand-up comedian. I mean, he does everything. His list of-, of You don't movies, juggle. You don't juggle? No. <laughs> I mean, dude, I'm going through, I was going through your IMBD page and your Wikipedia. I mean, there's so many things in here from- you know, Minority Report with Spielberg and Cruz to like you doing, having your own series on HBO, uh, The Mind of the Married Man and working with Costner and just Sandler and everything. But what was, what's really was amazing to me is I knew you were a stand-up. I just didn't know the level of stand-up. Like I didn't know, you know, that you were early in the days of the comedy store until I started watching. Uh, Mike has a new series, a new docu-series on Showtime, uh, is it called The Comedy Store? It's called yeah. The Comedy Store, right? And what's amazing about this new series Wonder. is- Hey, Feldy. <laughs> yeah! Feldy just joined in. What's amazing about this new uh, docu-series on oh. Showtime is like, I knew it would be funny and I knew it would be interesting. And I've learned, and I've learned a lot from watching it about like Freddie Prince and, and Sam Kinison and all these people, but like, I didn't expect it to be as moving as it is. You know, it's really moving. Like I was moved in several episodes, like really emotionally moved. And like, for me, if you can make me laugh, great. I love, I love anyone that can make me laugh, but if you can make me laugh and you can move me, then that's a real piece of art. That's a, that's, I mean, it's, I think it's your best work that you've ever done. And you were just saying that you backed into it somehow. Well, no, you know, I, I, it's funny you were talking about cold plunge. You know, I, I, I have, you know, uh, I have a friend out in Malibu who I go, we go swimming out in the cold with a lot, you know, and I was just out there one day swimming and I went out there for a really nice cold swim. And then we, you know, were in his, uh, his steam shower, you know, you know, getting hot and, you know, and just warming back up again. And as I got in the car, I got this phone call from Mike, um, Tolan, who is an old friend who, who you know, he's, he's a big documentary guy who just, he just did the 
the Michael Jordan, The Last Dance. And it was oh, that's amazing. This that's was before so that. He called me before that. But he was a guy I'd known. He did a lot of the 30 for 30s. And we, he's also done a lot of movies. So we, we tried to work together a few years. And, but, but he asked me, he said, hey, I'm calling on behalf of Peter Shore, who owns the comedy store, Paulie's brother and Mitzi's son. You know, and he said, you know, we, do you have any interest in doing a documentary about the comedy store? And I had always shied away from all that stuff. It was the comedy store was such a big part of my life, but stand up things about stand up comedy and movies about com stand up comedy always seemed fake to me. The fake stand up comics and doing, and you know they had done that book at Showtime, which I was I was in the book as one of the characters in the they wrote they wrote about our class in the book. And I just felt, you know, a fake Mitzi, and I, I didn't want to be involved with that show. And Jim Carrey, who was a friend of mine, was the executive producer. And I just didn't want to be involved with that show, but I immediately said yes to the documentary for exactly what you said. I thought, you know, this is, could be, that's the way to make it really funny because they're real comedians. And I find the old clips and they're going to be really funny but the stories are gonna be really dramatic and really emotional. And these are gonna be about real people. And I know the stories. Yeah. Yeah, and I Freddie know Prince's story. Really, I know they're gonna be heartbreaking, you know? Yeah. And I knew almost in an instant, I knew exactly what stories I would tell and how I would end each episode, you know? It was so funny. We went to Showtime and it sold right away, you know? It was a really, it was a really quite an experience, two and a half years making it. Wow. That's how long it took, huh? Two and a half years. Yeah. That's a big chunk of your life. How does it feel now that it's out? And I'm sure everyone's been going crazy about it because it's so good. Yeah, people love it. People love it, you know? I mean, um, they really do. You know, it was, uh, you know, it, it came out in a kind of an odd time, you know, because there's a lot of cancel culture going on and, and I chose to put Louis C.K. in it, and a lot of people didn't want that, you know, and they gave me a hard time. And, um, uh, you know, and then, and then there were a couple comedians that I really wanted in it that had just been kind of crapped on by the L.A. Times, and, and, and they didn't want me to put them in it because of this whole new, you know, political correctness thing going on and and I got in the middle of that and that was hard because I really cared about these guys and they were really comedy store guys and so there was a lot of yeah people nagging about it in the reviews but but I just kind of didn't care because I know I knew how good it was for the comedy store and for and for the people that I cared about you know Political correctness is kind of the opposite of comedy, isn't it? I mean, yeah. what you're saying is incorrect in some ways for a laugh. I mean, if we can't laugh at the ridiculousness of some of the stuff that goes on out there, I mean, you can't, it's like, you can't make fun of anything anymore. What, I mean, it's like, that's the end of comedy. If we can't laugh at ourselves and we can't make fun of each other and have a joke and we just, everything is, everybody's too sensitive now and too serious about all of it. And it's just, it's gotten brutal. I, I don't know. I just, it breaks my heart. Yeah, it's really sad. My, uh, 
my wife, I was, ta- I was talking to one of my mentors last night. My wife and I have been, she's on the other side of the political fence than, than I am. And I, and I, was, jo- I was joking with this guy, with, with our friend, John Kimball. I was talking to him and I was like, God, I, I don't know how to fucking resolve this. And he's like, you know, there, there is a principle that we ceased fighting anything and anyone. And he's like, how much is it worth? What's the value of you fighting over your wife's you know, on this right side of the, of, of, of the political fucking fence right now. And I told him, I said, you know, my wife's been sewing these swastikas on my kids' shirts. And so how do I deal with that? <laughs> and, and, he, and he thought, and he thought, and he thought I was serious. He, he just was like, Oh, John, I'm so sorry. And I, I kept it going for about four minutes, you know, oh, before man. I told him I was kidding. <laughs> That's really funny. Oh my God. Yeah. I just, um, I don't know, man. I love you so much, Mike. You've helped me so much in my life. I just, uh, you know, I've turned, I, I've turned to you, and so many times when my career, you know, like, like I think a lot of our careers, they just go up and down. It's not like, you know, and I worry, you know, every time I get hired to do a job, sometimes I think this is the last job I'm ever gonna yeah, fucking yeah. have, you know, and all that kind of stuff. And I was thinking about what you do. You're such a prolific writer. I mean, you know, whenever we talk on the phone, you're always working on some epic project. And, you know, how, I mean, I, I know a lot of the times you're working by yourself, you know, and on this podcast we talk about, I'm sure you, t- you touched earlier on the, um, you know, the idea of the cold plunge and what do we do for our daily routines to kind of get out of our own way so we can just channel the, the energy. Because I'm a, I'm a songwriter, so I'm writing by myself a lot. And so I use, you know, I use coffee and meditation and working out all sorts of stuff. Like what, what do you do to kind of get motivated? Uh, You know, it's always changing. You know, right now what I've been doing is just taking these really great morning walks with my wife, you know, and we go down to the, to the cliff at the ocean and, you know, kind of say morning prayers and throw our resentments into the water. And then we take another long walk and, you know, just kind of, I kind of take stock of my, what it is I'm grateful for and get a good long walk, take a shower and come in and go to work. You know, I I just, uh, it changes, you know, I was telling John, there was another period where I was really into cold plunging and not only down in Malibu at my friend Owen's house, but up with Clay in his backyard for a while, had one and and then my, my Owen had one here in his backyard in Santa Monica. And, and I, I just was really that whole notion of getting really cold and really hot and really cold was really kind of energizing me. Yeah. But, you know, also just, I also think the long morning walks are really good for me. You know, they really are. They really, you know, do you have a routine that you do before the walk? Like, do you get up in the morning and stretch and say a prayer or anything like that? Meditate. I've been, I've been meditating since January, 25 minutes every morning without fail. And I'm telling you, it's created a pause between me and saying something fucking stupid to my wife that I regret that was never there before. And my wife has noticed it. She's like, you're like a different guy. You're not reacting in the same way. And so I could never meditate for years. And finally I found the, you know, whatever it is to just sit there on the bench for 25 minutes in the morning. And it's been a game changer for me, but that started in January. And thankfully it's helping me get through everything. Yeah, I don't do that now. I was doing that a while back for a while and, and that really helped, but I, I'm not doing that now. I just, 
I was, and also I, I would, when, I, when I would walk alone, I would do that. I would just be really quiet and walk. But, um, you know, things changes. I just go through different seasons, you know, of what yeah. but the real thing to me is getting my day going, just getting it going in a positive way with some kind of, you know, sense of this is how I, what has to be done, you know, so a structure, you know, I, I feel like as long as I, you know, set my day up, you know, that Fred Ellis used to go, you either set your day up or it sets you up, yeah. you know, I think that's the real thing. I think the day has to be set up. Do you have a routine for writing? Do you write like a regular set every day, a couple hours or a couple? Pages? I try to, yeah. I yeah. try to write every day. What are they, what's that saying? Unless, I, unless I have to be in, like I'm editing or I have to be on a set or something or, or business meetings, I, but I try to write, you know, four to five hours for the start wow. of every day. You know, you, you were really- coffee? Are you what? a coffee drinker? Yeah, I drink coffee. Like alcohol? I was drinking this, like I, I, we I don't know why, I think we ran out of it, but I was drinking this Laird Hamilton coffee. The was, bulletproof stuff. No, no, not bulletproof. No. The, um, superfood or super. Yeah, it's yeah. great. Mm -hmm. it, was, it was just, that was better than meditation. Better than cold. <laughs> cold I'll, take, I'll take a Laird Hamilton latte any day over that fucking hour long routine. I mean, it's just, it works like that. It's oh man, so it was good. great. You know what? I got it. I went on uh, on Rogan. Rogan had it at his, at his podcast and it was like, wow. So you know? good. I made a. Um, I, I produced an album for this kid, Makua Rothman, that we had on our show. He's this really famous big wave surfer. And every day we would train at Laird Hamilton's house with Laird um, and his wife. And uh, and we we would do these, you know, it's an ice bath. And then you do this workout yeah. with these twenty pound weights in the pool. And then you go in the steam room. And then you just keep repeating it. And it's like. Holy shit! I never slept so good in my life. But we would. But afterwards, he would make up his layered latte with the MCT oil and the and the whole thing, and it was just amazing. Well, I was just sending away from it after I tried. I, I left there. And I thought, man, I got so much energy, and and we've been sending away for it. And it was it's really good coffee too. You know, it's got those that mushrooms in it, and you know. Yeah, I know. And I think I might be a newcomer. <laughs> some extra fucking mushrooms in that coffee yeah um have you ever found in your life mike like when you win when you've when you've gotten that award have you ever felt like you've actually reached like like you can actually go hey good job mike b i'm all right i've reached i've reached this plateau of my career or is it always constantly moving yeah it's always constantly moving <laughs> Well, I was thinking that last night when I watched uh, a bunch of the episodes of the comedy store where it's like, you came up with some of the biggest legends in the world, right? Richard Pryor and Robin Williams and Jim Carrey and all these guys. And so it's like, to me, you're a legend, you're amazing and everything you've accomplished is amazing. But I know what it feels like on the inside. Like people think I'm like this breathwork legend now, which is hilarious to me but like, I don't feel that way at all. So we don't feel, we don't see ourselves the way other people see us at all. No, we, no. We, all we compare ourselves to the person that we were next to that's the most successful, right? That's right, yeah. You and just so compare to spare, right? Guys you started with that, that all did better. Yeah. So what do you do about that? Do you stop comparing? Do you, uh, how do you sort of reconcile that? Because 
if you, I mean, otherwise you're going to be miserable all the time, right? You gotta, you gotta find a way to be like grateful for what you have. Look, what I've decided my job is, is to be happy today. Hmm. You know, I really, I really decided that, you know, that's, that's what I got to figure out. That's the key. Everything else is extra credit and, you know, stickers for my forehead, you know, <laughs> my job is to be happy today, to vibrate happiness today, to feel happy today. It's all my, that's all I have to do. How do I feel happy today? What are the tools? What are the things I do, the activities I do to feel happy today? What makes me happy today? And the reason that's my job. So there are several important bullet points why it's happy, but the biggest one is because if I'm gonna feel and vibrate and truly be happy today, it's gonna be easier to be happy tomorrow. If I eat junk food today, I'm gonna want junk food tomorrow. If I eat uh, clean today, I'm gonna wanna eat clean tomorrow. It's the same thing. If I'm dramatic and intense and stressed out today, I'm gonna be stressed out tomorrow. It's gonna be, so that's the one bullet point. It's easier to be happy tomorrow if I'm happier today. But the second one, which I think is just as important, is if I'm happy today, I'm telling the universe, that's what I want. I want happiness. I'm telling God, I'm telling the people I meet, I'm telling the world, I want happiness. And I'm bringing it to me. If I'm dramatic and stressed out and scrunched up, and angry and irritated and unhappy and worried and expecting horrible shit to happen. That's what I'm telling everybody that I meet and the universe and God and myself to bring me. So my job is to be happy today. So then I have to figure out, okay, what are the things that make me happy? And that's all my job is. It's not to be bigger than Jim Carrey. You know, it's not to be richer than Jerry Shamalas. It's not to be anything but happy, to vibrate happiness, to be laughing, to be having a good time, to be doing things I enjoy. It's not even to be healthy because we all know healthy people that get hit by trucks. It's not even to be, you know, in great shape or super smart because we all know stupid people that get hit by trucks. It's to be happy, it's to vibrate happiness. And that's what my thing is. Nice. You know, how, what makes me happy? What's making you happy these days? I like to laugh. Yeah. I like to laugh. You know, I like to watch good movies. I like to go on walks. I like fresh air. I like to be with friends. You know, I like movies. I like TV shows. I like to smoke cigars. You know, 
I like to help people. I like to, I, I get a kick. I like working with newcomers. I like, I like going to AA meetings and, and, and helping new newcomers. You know, that is an instant gratification for me, just like cocaine was at one point in my life. Just like a, a glass of whiskey was at one point in my life. You know, and I like to write. When you ask me what, what is my thing is, I get a kick out of writing and figuring out how to make a script work. Mm. You know, I get a kick out of it. It makes me happy. A day's work of writing makes me happy. But, but I figured, you know, it's that type of thing. You know, I, I just... Tell the, tell the Mel Brooks story. Can you tell that? What's the Mel Brooks story? You don't remember. It's one of the funniest things I've ever heard you tell. Where you went, you finally got to go to meet Mel Brooks. So you were dropping something off at his house. Oh, wait, no, wait. Is it, are you talking about the James Brooks story or the James Mel Brooks? Sorry, J James Brooks, maybe. No, you're talking about the kid that worked for me. I told you that story. Was that it? Where you yeah. where he, you said this is an amazing house? Yeah, no, no, yeah, no, yeah. That, that was a kid that worked for me. It was a a PA worked for me came out here from, from Minneapolis and he had just gotten, he, his first job was, he was a, a PA on The Simpsons. And he came out here and he, he um, his very first day out here, he comes out and he, they send him to drop a script off at James L. Brooks's house. And he says, he couldn't believe it. He's just such a big fan, he says, and he goes to this house and he rings the doorbell and James Brooks comes to the door and he says, Mr. Brooks, I gotta tell you, I just came out here from Minneapolis. This is the nicest house I've ever seen in my entire life. I can't believe it. And Jim says to him, well, if it means anything to you, nobody in here is happy. <laughs> oh my god it's one of the funniest things i've ever heard oh. so <laughs> yeah i mean I, I mean we got to see that i i've got to help people who are some of the most successful people on the planet you know because of what we do you know staying sober and try and help people stay sober and i've had that i had that gig for a long time and and I learned that like, that doesn't, you know, that's not going to make me happy. You know, that, that people with all of it, what you think it, they have everything, right? You know, you know, them all that fame and money and all of it. And that's just not going to fill this hole inside of me. And the life that I never wanted, which was a family and kids and, a, and all, and just a normal life. And, and, and that's what makes me happy. Just seeing my kids, you know, playing with each other in the backyard and laughing and having fun. I mean, just that little moment. You mentioned uh, you mentioned Jerry Shamalis, and I just lately I've been thinking a lot about him because I I have been doing the opposite of eating healthy. I like like Jerry says I take I take the Ben and Jerry's out of my out of my um, freezer and just spin the lid off into the trash and just fucking <laughs> eat the whole. I have been eating like I probably gained twenty pounds so far over the last seven months. It's like. Oh. 
It's wild, man. But I love what you say about setting tomorrow up by your actions today. It's so fucking true, man. You know, I have, you know, for me, it's like, I've got to trick my brain and I've shared with you and I've shared, you know, a dozen times. Like I say, I love my life in the beginning of the day, every day, no matter how I feel, because however smart I think I am, you know, I can still trick myself into believing something that may not be true at that moment, but I can totally feel something different by taking the contrary action. And that's what I've been taught. That's what you taught me, you know, just doing these opposite actions. Yeah. Well, I, I love that. I love that. I love my lifeline, man. I, I say it all the time. I think about you all the time, man. It's cause it's, it's such a, it's, you know, there's that great, um, I think it was a Swedish philosopher, Emil Kuei says, you know, I, I'm getting better and better every day in every way. Yeah. You know, it's, and it, it's so great and simple, yet you've distilled it down, another thing down into something even, even simpler. You know, I love my life. You know, it's just so simple that, you know, and there was someone that once said, you know, you can't get loaded if you're in gratitude. You know, and if you really can feel that feeling that I love my life, you can't, you don't, you can't, you can't want to get loaded. And there was a great Stephen Wright line. He said, uh, you know, I, Will Rogers said, simplify, simplify, simplify. Why didn't he just say simplify? <laughs> uh, I, I love great. Stephen Wright. You know, I grew up in Boston and I used to go to Nick's Comedy Store. You know that spot? Yeah, sure. When I, I was 15 years old, I would be drinking in there on a school night. And wow. Dennis Leary would be the headliner, coked out of his mind, you know, and I would be there like getting drunk. I mean, I think that's the one career that I sort of missed was stand up that I should have done. Yeah, you know, I, I was gonna I was gonna ask too, because I've, I've witnessed this happen more than once in my life. And I became friendly with um, Robin Williams, you know, the, uh, who I know you knew. Why do you think that there is this parallel universe that so many comedians live in with the darkness and the, and the lightness together? like those extremes. Wow. You know, I, I do know that there it's there, but I think a lot of it is because the darkness kind of like propels you to want to want the light so bad, <laughs> you know, it, it kind of throws, just kind of, you know, but I also think the darker you go, you know, the, the more you can kind of, see the absurdity of the world, you know, the lower you go, you know, you're kind of feeling so detached and so alone that you kind of are seeing it from a different angle than anybody else, you know, you feel it. But um, I don't know, you know, it's a really good question, you know, and I, I remember when I was a kid thinking, man, you can only be good if you're really fucked up. You know, and the only only really fucked up people are good, but I don't know. I just you don't, don't know believe that anymore, though, do you? No. Yeah, I mean, I think that's a lie that people tell themselves so they can keep using and drinking. Yeah, yeah. Right? It's like, uh -huh. you know, if I if I stop drinking and using, I, my art won't be as good. I won't be able to write as good. I won't be able. I won't be as comfortable on stage or whatever. I mean, yeah. I I, I had that whole thing too it's just like you go through that but then what you realize is once you get comfortable in your skin as who you really are in a room full of people 
that are like, it's, there's nothing better than that. If you can be comfortable in your skin anywhere, there, there is no better feeling. I wouldn't trade that for anything in the world. I, it took my, it took so long for me to get comfortable in my skin with who I am today. And I feel that way. It don't matter who's in the room, you know? And so I'm, I'm so grateful to guys like you, Mike, who kind of led me along the way and just kept me, you know, when I fell off track of like just feeling down on myself. I remember being a screenwriter for a long time and you read my stuff and you were really kind to me about it. You know, you're really encouraging and really kind. And, you know, it's just, it took a long time to find my way, you know, and it takes what it takes. That's right. I think a lot of people are really impatient with their lives. You know, uh, like I, my son right now, I just feel he's so talented, but he's really impatient. And it reminds me of how impatient I was, you know? And the world kind of is telling everybody to be impatient because they, they pull these people out and at 26 or 23, they just make them these wonderkins, you know? and like you said, you compare yourself to them who, you know, and how could you not, you know, but by the same token, 90% of them are, are done at 30, you know, and there's, there's three or four of them that, that last on you know, out of thousands and thousands and thousands, you know, most people end up get to spend X amount of time on the bench and X amount of people off the bench, you know, in, in, in any business. And, you know, and that's not, anyway, that's not the point. The point is what you kind of come to figure out about yourself and who you come to be as a person, you know? There's a guy we all know as Josh, named Josh, who's an actor, who has been around forever, but he, you know, and he's soaring right now, but God, I remember he was around forever and so many of his buddies were all just taken off and he just was not, he just yeah. was not for years. And I'm talking 20 some years. And I even remember he lost his house up in his ranch up north and lost everything. And he just, you know, it just didn't work for him. It wasn't clicking and he had all the connections too. And it was just like, hey, it's not happening. And you know, God, I would love to go back in time and just whisper in his ear and go, just relax, buddy. It's gonna happen. It's just gonna happen later. Yeah, it just doesn't make sense. We can't know our lives, the the path of our lives. Like Steve, um, Steve Jobs said he didn't know why he took a font class in college. He had he took a font class, like different style fonts. And those are the fonts that we have on Apple today. You know, and he had no idea why he took it, but it can't, it made sense later on. And it's like, you can't make sense of your life, you know, go, it's like, it only makes sense looking back. It only makes sense looking back at like, I see now, you know, I was an actor and then I lost all my hair and then I became a writer and this and that. And it, and now when I teach this breathwork thing, it all comes together for that. Cause sure. I, when I stand up and do it, I'm funny and I'm moving and I'm this, I do all these different things, but it's everything in my life that's come together for this thing. Yeah, it's yeah. all come together for me to be great at this one thing that I didn't even know existed fucking 10 years ago. I couldn't have known this would be my path. Yeah, and you just don't know. You know, it's like, it's funny. You just don't know where you're, the seat, you're throwing these seeds around. You know, 
I'll give you a really funny example. I was driving down the road the other day and I had, I have this, and I don't even remember when I put it on, but I have this fucking tune. Sorry, you can Sorry. swear. Yeah, yeah, we can swear on here, believe okay. me. And, and I had this tune that you produced, Feldy, on my, um, on my iTunes for the, these kids that remember this, like a summer tune. It was really high, uh, high energy and, yeah, like uh, she's kind of hot, maybe five seconds of summer. Yes, 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 right. Uh, yeah. And I put it on there for, for something. I was just trying to find some energy in a scene I was writing. But I was driving down the road and it came on in like an auto play in my iTunes. And it just really picked me up. You know, you talk about, you know, what makes you happy. And sometimes I just listen. I, I just let the iTunes just... And the music picked me and it just picked me up. And it's like, you didn't know you were, you know, you were telling your son to clean his fucking room or whatever, you know, or you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And, but we don't know. We just don't know. You don't know someone that you taught to breathe right is, is having this moment where it, it kind of is all working for, you just don't know what you're, what you're doing, where it lands, you know? Yeah. I was thinking about, you, you had mentioned all these, you know, kind of, semi-destructive behavior that a lot of us had as kids, you know, and a lot of artists go through. And when I was a kid, you know, I looked up to Joe Strummer from The Clash and Sid Vicious from The Sex Pistols. And, you know, I used to cut myself up with razor blades when I was a kid. You know, I thought that was just what you did if you were a punk rocker. It was just part of the thing. It wasn't like some suicide thing. It was just something cool to do. And, and my son, the other, actually two days ago, just asked me, what are those all those scars on your arm from and it's like and I was able to just kind of tell them my truth and you know at the time I had no idea that maybe it's going to come full circle so you know my son if he ever has some whatever he's going through he knows that I'm not some perfect dad that I had some story other than just what appears on the outside which is to him a together guy that has a career and a wife and all the stuff that goes on but man, it wasn't that way my whole life. And, and like you said, John Paul, you can no one's got a crystal ball. You can only connect the dots by looking backwards. And it's like, I had all those moments, you know, when shit went bad and I had to sell my house in Bel Air and move out to the fucking 818. And I was like, what the fuck am I gonna do in the Valley? And all that <laughs> shit. And, and it's like, you know, but now it's like, I live in a gated community in Calabasas or as my friends call it, Calabasas. And like, we just, you know, I live in a cul-de-sac and my kids can go bike riding. It's like, I had no idea that this was going to be it. And it's like, anyone could have whispered in my ear from the future just to say, John, just fucking don't, don't end it all, A, and don't drink and just take a breath and just calm the fuck down because that's so much of it for me is how do I not be so anxious that I can't see a positive future and put out to the universe all the goodness that we deserve. Yeah, Feldy used to say when he moved to the valley, the valley is where dreams go to die. <laughs> yeah. And uh it, it, you know, I actually like the valley. It's kind of it's kind of fun. It's a different it's a different world out there. Yeah. Well, listen, it's also where bank accounts go to blossom. So, <laughs> you know. Yeah. All all the greatest fucking adult movies are made out here too, so it's got something. Yeah, right. <laughs> For me, I just have to always remember, you know, that you also asked, what do I do? You know, I really, I really have to work on fo focusing on what's working, you know, 
and keeping my that, that spotlight on what's working. I, I think my personal view on what the biggest problem that this country has had in the last few years is that everybody's focused on what hasn't been working rather than what has been working. And I think that as, as a human being, I can't do that. You know, I don't wanna, I, I wanna focus on what I'm doing right and what my life, what's going right in my life and what's going right in my neighborhood and what's going right in my town, you know? And I just feel like there's a lot going right. And the more I focus on that and, you know, in fact, that's all I can focus on. I cannot focus on what's not working because I know that if I focus on what's working, the stuff that's not working is gonna take care of itself. And I've also learned for me that if I do God's work, he'll do my work. And anytime I'm uncomfortable or anytime I'm feeling bad, it means I've reneged on that deal because that's a deal I made early on in my program, early on in my sobriety, that I was gonna turn my life and my will over the care of God as I understood him. And what that meant was, I was gonna let him take care of my problem. And I was gonna do what I thought was his will for me. Meaning his will isn't just what I thought his will for me to take care of myself, meaning his will for me in terms of his work for me. Mm. And that's to me, when this thing really kicked into gear for me in my life is when I realized I don't have to work the greatest program. I don't have to be Mr. Mr. AA. I just have to work my program. I have to be of service the way I feel in my gut I'm supposed to be of service. And I have to answer the phone when I feel I'm supposed to be of service and I know when that is. And I have to suit up and show up you know, and, and when I don't, that's when I'm irritable and discon discontent and not feeling right. Yeah. And when I'm also not feeling good is because I'm reneged on the deal. And I think, oh, God's not going to take care of that for me. He's not going to make that happen for me, or he's not going to, you know, or it's not going to, th things aren't going to work out if, unless I fix them. And that's what I've learned, you know, I'm the happiest when I'm just here today, being happy and doing God's work the way I feel it's, my, I'm being, I'm kind of intuitively feeling that's what I'm supposed to be doing. You know, suiting up, showing up and going, okay. Yeah, okay, I gotta go, I gotta go help that guy. I gotta go, I gotta go be, show up for those guys. I gotta go do this, I gotta go do that. And it just makes me happy and I feel good and everything works out, you know? I've always been working. I've never missed a meal. You know, I'm healthy and I'm happy. And that's to me been the secret is I just, I'm not in charge, you know? And, you know, there's a higher power do you think it's about taking your will back? Because I, yeah. I feel like you were saying something that's really beautiful, which is like you're just focusing on what's good and what's working in your life, right? And what I was always taught 
is whatever you focus on expands. So if I focus on the good stuff, the good stuff's going to expand. And if I'm focusing on the bad stuff, the bad stuff's going to expand. So whatever I focus on expands. So I got to focus on what's good in my life and what's working. And I, and I had that moment years ago, 20 years ago or 19 years ago, where I was like, I'm going to help guys. That's all I'm going to do. And, and, and then that took a life of its own. And then I took it back and, I, and the Hollywood thing, I got caught up in the Hollywood thing and it got frustrating and I get so close and it fell apart. And then I, I let it go again. I said, I'm gonna help guys. That's what I'm gonna do. I'm supposed to just help people and God will take care of me. And it's funny, it's like, every, it's just, why do we forget that? Why do we get off that path? Because whenever I'm doing that, I'm taken care of. And when I'm not, it's like, it's like I take my will back and I'm like, this fucking person's not calling me back. The deal's not going through. Why, you know, why did they hire this person instead of me? Whatever. It just, I'm so overpaid and I, and, but I forget it, you know? Exactly. And every time you go the other way and you just don't worry about it and you just think, what can I be of service? How can I do it? Or how can I just be creative and do my work? for the love of my work and this, boom, it comes out better than you thought it would. I know I love our friend Milton Dykus, you know, who suffered from Parkinson's disease. We used to sit next together, sit next to each other, um, you know, at lunchtime and he'd just say, I'm a really nice guy, but just don't sit next to me while I'm eating soup. Cause he would shake yeah. so bad, you know, <laughs> he's a really funny guy. And, and he would always say, I can either have Parkinson's with a good attitude or Parkinson's with a bad attitude, but I've still got Parkinson's. And I just, I love the idea that like, you know, whatever's, whatever it is that's happening, I can either be in this pandemic with a good attitude or with a bad attitude. And I'd much rather have a good attitude through this whole thing any day. Yeah. Mike, we do some, a few questions at the end of this and you can pass on them or, you know, say and answer them, whatever's up to, it's up to you. If you could make up a rule or a law that everyone had to follow, what would it be? Well, that's a good one. Uh, I think you'd have to be nice to the police. Be nice to the police. I like it. What character from a TV show or a movie do you dislike the most? Or like, which character do you like the most? Character from a... TV or a movie? Yeah. What's like? What's one of your favorite characters? Um, that's a tough one. I don't know. How about your favorite song? What's your favorite song right now? My favorite song. I don't know. What's uh, What's so the best? What's the best piece of advice you've ever gotten? Wake up in the morning and tell myself I love my life. <laughs> <laughs> what's the worst piece of advice you've ever gotten? Uh, buy AIG stock. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's fucking funny. I love you, Mike. You're such a good man. Thank you for doing good this with man, us. You guys, I love you both. Yeah, uh, man. Thanks what, so much. What a, what a great chance it's, to be with you guys. I mean, yeah. it was, it's Missed so you. good to see you and watching you on the comedy store. This new docuseries, man, you're such a legend. Like I always knew you were a legend, but like to see you as a kid in the comedy store is so fucking cool. And I, I just want to encourage everybody out there to watch this because it's so moving. You know, I didn't know Freddie Prince's story and it just, it broke my heart and it moved me. It was incredible. And all of it, like Sam Kinison and Richard Pryor. I mean, you've done such a tremendous job with this. This new thing, this new project. It's funny too, just being back there and kind of falling back into high school with a bunch of my old guys, you know? Yeah. It was fun. 
I, I watched Joe Rogan and he's uh he keeps having these guys on and they're smoking cigars and he's like Mike Binder gave me these cigars. Mike Binder is like every every Joe Rogan episode. Mike Binder gave me these cigars. I'm like, it's the best fucking present you've ever given anyone in your life. I've seen your name, heard your name come up like 30 times on his podcast. It's genius. <laughs> but I know that's not why you gave him the cigars. I know you gave no. it to him because you're generous. And that's I, the I, kind I, of guy you I, are. <laughs> thanks, Mike. Thanks for coming nice. on. Thanks, guys. do y'all i'm uncle drank star of the ballad of uncle drank it is a scripted musical podcast about the life and times of me fictional golf and western country music pioneer uncle drank the series also stars luke wilson brian kelly chelsea lynn kinky friedman and billy zane as a talking blender named blendy you can find the ballad of uncle drank on sirius xm pandora stitcher or wherever you get your podcast